Welcome back to the Long and Hard Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode seven. That was the Backstreet Boys. And uh, we should we should bring them back. Eh, Thomas? Yeah, we definitely should. <laughs> <laughs> Best band of the 90s, hands down. And uh, I figure that's a that's a that's a banger to start this podcast with. So <laughs> Didn't didn't they go on a reunion tour pretty recently? You, you mean to say I missed out on that tour? Yeah, I mean so did I, but I, I remember that being a thing. It was probably a few years ago now, really. So you you want to hear something hilarious? The other day I was on What's Twitter that? and uh some guy was like Fuck you, Aaron Carter, to my profile picture. And I was like, That's a blast from the past, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you were starting Twitter beef for one, and then the guy's comeback was that you're uh, Aaron Carter. Well, and I mean, I had nothing else to say to him. I was just like, "That's a good one. You got me." That's why you say, "Oh, so you mean your uh, mom and older sister had posters of me on their wall <laughs> growing up?" <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know, I wish I would have thought of that in the moment, but you know. Yeah, I got to work on the trips. <laughs> I think I we, uh, I think we both had pretty big weekends recently here. Hey, yeah, I would say so. Tell, uh, tell everybody about your weekend. Uh well, I had a little combined birthday action with a mutual friend of ours uh, who shares a birthday fairly close to, uh, well, mine, right? <laughs> Imagine <laughs> <And> yeah, that. <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun, and then uh, you know, definitely felt a year older the next day. I, I can tell you that. You probably felt a decade older the next day. <laughs> yeah. And then nine years older on Monday, eight years older <laughs> today. You know, it's kind of, there's like a bit of a residual there. There is honestly a thing that um, as you get older, bouncing back is a lot more difficult. Not going to lie about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's all there is to say about that. Yeah. my uh, Our buddy was in uh, Montreal this weekend hanging out with us and uh somehow i went three nights in a row i mean i didn't get like obliterated or anything but i mean you know you go out have some fun hit up some of the uh interesting places that are in montreal which there are numerous so uh you know and uh yeah i'm glad it's tuesday and not uh not sunday that we're doing this podcast we'll we'll put it that way yeah and uh just a reminder if you're uh we're trying to do this on every Tuesday-ish at about this time-ish, which is 1 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, so, you know, if you're in your office not doing too much, we do live stream this on YouTube. If you want to tune in and uh, join the join the show live, you know. Uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for my yeah, New York yeah. people. Jump on, uh, jump on the show. Uh, listen in, you know, Bill. Get a little positive out of it. Build your mind as you're uh, sitting there at work, you know. Uh, don't tell your boss. Yeah, wear, right. wear some headphones. I mean, be discreet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually just moved to a new place here in uh, in Montreal too for the, the remainder of my stay. So, got a decent view of the city. I don't know if you guys are going to be able to see Let's this. See if that works. Let's see if we can. Oh, oh, there we go. Yeah, nice. You have to let me talk though, because otherwise it'll shift to you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I love this Google Hangouts thing. Pretty easy for... Pretty idiot-proof. Honestly, if we were together in the same city, it would be significantly harder to record this show than it is right now. So, To be honest, I probably would just start up a Google Hangout and sit in the same with, room with you and just do this. <laughs> oh, that's, I mean, that's probably the most economical way to do it. So, <laughs> I mean, that kind of ties into our subject. I was about to say bit. that does relate here. So, A little bit, yeah. So what we're going to tentatively call this episode, episode seven, is just do it, how to start a business with less than $200. And the reason that this ties in is because there's a lot of free technology and stuff out there that you're going to be able to use that saves you a shit ton of money and allows you to get a lot of exposure, get your voice out there. I mean, we're going to be talking about all of this on today's podcast, so it's going to be 
probably the most actionable episode we've we've done hey uh i would say thus far especially if you're someone looking to start well let, let's start at the in- intro level of call it a side hustle right especially because mm-hmm. there's a lot of side hustle culture out there and you're wondering how do i do that uh and then yeah it transitions into any kind of small business or entrepreneurial venture i mean even if you have an idea or even like just starting like a blog of some sort, like just getting your uh, voice out there, your face out there, kind of getting people to know you. I mean, listen to this podcast. This is going to be a really good one for you, I would say. So I guess let's start with how would you, Thomas Harrington, start a business in 2019 today? for less than $200 because I mean let's start it that way and then let's go through all the different ways that you could uh, like the different ways that we would start a business today that's good actually and uh, so I would say step one would be well assuming you have some sort of idea right or product or service to offer uh, and you know I think where to look for that idea is probably a totally different um Topic. So we're going to assume you have one, right? For for this discussion here. So sure. yeah, let's let's assume. So, anyways, um, step one, I would say, is uh, building a landing page, right? So the for those who don't know, a landing page is essentially a one page website uh, or one page within a website where the goal is to make someone take one action and one action only, right? There's uh, only one path that you can go along and that is either, it can be either to purchase a product, to book a call, to download a free guide or PDF or what have you. And essentially the two outcomes are someone either completes that action on that page uh, or leaves, right? Pretty much and binary. Exactly, right? It's, yeah, one or zero binary. And, um, to that, I would even say you you don't even really, really need a website. Like there are landing page platforms that will be a, a subdomain of mm-hmm. some other company, which is less than ideal. But, you know, if you want to start like fast and easy today, uh, I would say landing page is probably the way to go because ultimately is you need traffic in the door, right? And you need some way to, to get people to contact you, right? And having someone fill out a form online is probably the easiest, um, well, the best way to get someone's information, like having them pick up a phone and call you is just totally misguided. It's not the way things work anymore. And more importantly, it's um, putting, I would say too much trust in the consumer because they have to lift up their phone, dial the numbers, press call, and then actually speak to someone on the phone, which is kind of a scary thing, right? Yeah. And making now, it as easy as possible, too, for yeah. that action to be taken. Exactly. And uh, not to digress too much into <laughs> a landing page crash, crash course, I guess. But uh, uh, aside from that, you know, you, you would need some form of traffic. I would probably see and look around what kind of free cold traffic you can get, right? And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I wouldn't even worry about, like, logos. Maybe think of a name or a working name. But you know, it, it's really about getting started and getting out there and talking to a consumer or getting consumers to, to come to you, right? Let's uh, back up there just for a second too, is that you said free traffic. For the absolutely uninitiated, what would you say, like, give us a definition of traffic, I guess. That's good. So <laughs> uh, the most beautiful website in the world or store or uh, dealership or anything is useless unless people are actually going there, right? Right. So because this is an online-based world, uh, when I say traffic, I do mean website traffic, but that can be literal traffic as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how are you going to get people to your website, right? If you have a great website, but there's no, if it's brand new, there's no method of getting people there. It's just going to sit there. It's not going to magically produce results by itself, Right. right? And sometimes you just, there is an expression out there. Sometimes you just have to pay for traffic. But again, we're, we're doing the, the cheap, free and easy way here. So uh, 
when it comes to free traffic, there's a couple ways. Now, probably the best way, again, if you want to start today for actionable steps, uh, would be, well, cold emailing and cold calling. And an extension of that, that's kind of the 2019 version would be, I would say, cold cold DMing, I guess, <laughs> right? Uh, namely, you know, Instagram or a Facebook business page or whatever, and uh, getting in touch with uh people and businesses so and don't uh, discount linkedin too because i mean that's, oh yeah and yeah. actually to that point i would say linkedin is a really great one especially if you're anything remotely b2b that would be a really great place to go mm -hmm. uh and even b2c and i think linkedin's something uh i underestimated in the past and underutilized and i'm now playing catch up and i, I think linkedin's a really good channel because uh for if you have any kind of tech knowledge or, or follow it, most people know that Instagram and Facebook's feeds, like it's not a true uh, chronological feed. There is an algorithm to it, blah, blah, blah. If you right. change your page to a business page, excuse me, you actually get less traffic, especially on Facebook. On Facebook, if you, if you create a business page, you'll get very, very little organic reach. And mm -hmm. on Instagram, it's getting worse. Uh, LinkedIn hasn't really... Uh, caught up to that yet so you can still get very good organic reach on linkedin so uh but again it's all about free traffic so what does that mean that means people coming to your website how are you going to do that well uh you need to go out and encourage those people to come look at what you have to offer your service your product what, whatever it is right so even yesterday i'll just give an example is um i had finished up the sapien athletica website and i was like just on Facebook, I just made a post for my friends. I was like, go visit the website and give me feedback on what you guys like and dislike about the site. And that got like at least 20 people in the door. And I had five or six people messaging me about what they really liked about the site. I had a girl literally send me, no word of a lie, a story, like a novel on different grammatical changes and stuff she would make hmm. and if i had to pay somebody to do that for me it would have cost me probably an hour and a half of somebody's time to do it was phenomenal i i don't know <laughs> what i did to deserve it but it was <laughs> it was it was exceptional on her part and i thanked her profusely for it but just doing something like that making a facebook post of hey i'm starting this guys go take a look at it let me know your thoughts and that's a way to get a little bit of notoriety, right? Um, I'll talk a little bit about Instagram too, because it's something that both of us uh, are very familiar with. Is the do you want to talk about follow unfollow? I guess do we want to talk about that? Uh, or do we... Maybe maybe that's uh, or well, I mean the I I think to paint it with the broader strokes is it. Instagram is a really good place to find because of hashtags, what people are talking about or people in your area who are interested in relatively the same thing or style of business or, or whatever it might be. Right. Right. Uh, and, you know, essentially it's very easy to find people in your area talking about a certain subject and uh, you know, kind of what they look like, what they're interested in and, just going through and engaging with them and whether it be following, liking their stuff, commenting, uh, et cetera, it, it's very easy to find, especially they're more adopted. And I think this is Instagram is better for uh, a uh, specific to a smaller business, right? Because you can find things specific, you know, for, for me, for example, people using, using the hashtag, uh, YEG, Y-E-G, which is Edmonton's airport code uh, and derivatives of, of that. Well, you know, that's very local to me. Conversely, you know, using like a Twitter hashtag, like unless you're like a national brand, it's almost too big of a notion for that to be effective, really. Mm -hmm. uh, but the way Instagram hashtags are used is a little different and a little more localized. Right. I mean, like you can find pretty much any niche on Instagram by searching through the hashtags. So if you're in the niche of whatever it may be, uh, pet rocks. 
you can probably find There's at a least there for everyone. Yeah, you're gonna find probably at least fifty thousand people that are interested in that niche <laughs> and a lot of po- posts on that. So you're gonna find accounts that are associated with that, and you can actually start conversations with people. I'll talk about the maxim of reciprocity here for a second too, because I think that that's a huge thing when it comes to social. Mm-hmm. So reciprocity is essentially giving to get. So when you're on these platforms, um, you could be doing a lot of different things to get traffic in the door. And one of the biggest and most effective things is by providing value for people. So if you're making posts on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it may be, those posts should promote some sort of value to your audience. And that gets them intrigued and gets them in the door as well. So this is all free. Like You don't need to be hiring graphic designers to be doing this sort of thing. Um, a very quick YouTube session will teach you how to make a very simple infographic or something like that to get some traffic in the door, get people interested in what you're talking about. And that's one way of doing this too. This, the cost is $0, maybe a couple hours of your time. Yeah, I think, uh, well, one thought actually that that was a very well articulated concept uh, and, you know, a bit better than brazening it as unfollow, unfollow, which I think most people are familiar mm-hmm. with because you probably, if you're just sitting around, you will get followed by random businesses, people, bloggers, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but understanding it is like kind of an ecosystem and it, it, you have to give to get and you have to like actually i would say interact with people's content not just like spam follow a whole bunch of random people right for them to follow back uh especially you know two years ago uh the instagram unfollow unfollow if you just did it at a mass level there uh it worked a bit better than it did these days because as the old saying goes uh, marketers ruin everything, right? So, <laughs> so, so now we, I think way too many people did that, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and then there are literal bots that are doing that too. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah, that's the problem too. Uh, one thing you said actually that I think can kind of almost wrap up this session in a little bit of a way. And this was something actually uh, my current boss said to me relatively recently. And, you know, it's one of those things that's so profoundly true, but so simple, you almost don't think of it. But Early on when you're starting, and you know, this is something I'm internalizing and trying to use more in my business too. Uh, you either have money or time, right? And when you're starting, the scale is probably like this with uh or sorry, like this, where <laughs> time is up here, you have a lot of time, uh, but you don't have a lot of money. Okay, well, like Josh said, like me spending a couple hours on Instagram or whatever a day, like actively promoting my business. It's kind of annoying. It's tedious, but it doesn't cost you anything to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Once you're more say six, succeeding, maybe you have a little less time. The money thing starts to creep up. Okay, now it's time to maybe invest in paid ads, so on and so forth. And then once you're you know out there really killing it, years down the road or whatever, then it's time to hire like a social media manager or whatever, right? But yeah, you know, it, if you're at the start, you have a lot more time. The money more likely. And uh, we even probably fall more into that category than the latter, truthfully. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of you. You're probably underestimating how much free stuff you can do uh, to, to get yourself going and off the ground. Right. I mean, like even this podcast, it, the, the way that we're doing this is 100% free. There is no cost to us whatsoever. Yeah. There is software out there for recording if you wanted to get even more technical. There's so much out there that is um, free information, free software, free platforms that spending money in the very beginning to test an idea doesn't really make much sense in 2019, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can really get a get a pretty good idea or even for pretty cheap. And I mean, hey, for this podcast, like, you know, I went out and bought this Blue Yeti microphone, which was, I mean, I, I can't even remember how much. It was under 200 bucks. I think it was like 180 bucks or something like that. So if you want mm-hmm. to do this the absolutely free way, you use Google Hangouts, 
you probably own a laptop already and it probably has a functioning uh, built-in microphone, right? Yep. So you could use that. Maybe you have iPhone headphones, which if you watch the first couple episodes, that's what uh, Josh used, right? Which actually gives pretty good audio <laughs> uh, inputs, <laughs> really, right, for this purpose. So I, I would take you back even further. I think this this platform you can use on your phone even. So if you really, really were like strapped, <laughs> you probably you can... have a smartphone in 2019. You could actually probably record this from there if you wanted to. So no excuses. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. So let, just to recap this part of the podcast, I guess. So starting a business with under $200. Step number one is probably building some sort of landing page, website, etc. Mm-hmm. The cost to that is significantly low. Like even if you went the full website route and you bought a domain, you did some hosting and everything was hosted by yourself and everything the cost is going to be probably around 150 dollars for all of that said and done even like probably including a wordpress theme if you're doing that way wordpress is also free there's free themes for that and like thomas was saying you don't even need to do that anymore there's um link tree you're you're using it specifically on your instagram page um yeah, so I use it for myself and for this, right? Yeah, for our podcast. You know, because I mean, we 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 arguably don't even really need our uh, podcast website because the the link tree is how most people will probably find us if they're finding us through social, and then mm. that gives a link to each respective podcasting platform, right? So, right, it, it's not even in, entirely necessary. And I would even say, you know, something like regarding WordPress, like. WordPress has gotten so I would say watered down in a way in recent years. And, you know, even a free resource or free ish like Wix has come up so far because Very a few true. years ago, like you know, just looked gross if used with Wix and we, Josh and I would <laughs> put our noses up at that for sure. But uh, now it's actually produces a fairly usable product, especially for a lot of businesses. If you're just starting out too, it'll be good enough. Right. They like, uh, putting the noses up at, but um, we used GoDaddy website builder for the very first, for our irrigation website th- four years ago or five years ago. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. And, so, uh, I mean, like, there are and we made some pretty good revenue off of that. Right. So yeah. Go listen to the last podcast. Yeah. Or even, uh, I wish we still had the website we used for lead generation for uh, our real estate team when we first started because <laughs> that thing was pretty horrendous <laughs> by today's standards too. Hey, fuck you, man. I built that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if, I mean, point being, if you have a good offer and, uh, you know, some easy click-throughs with calls to action, it, it, it will work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like, you don't need to know how to code to do any of this. There's so many drag-and-drop solutions nowadays <laughs> that, uh, like Thomas was saying, you're going to find something with a little bit of uh, willpower and a little bit of patience. You'll, you'll be able to get something out there very easily. And once you have that step, number two is obviously getting some traffic to your offer. And we said social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram are the big ones. You can do YouTube videos. That's all free. Um, And then talking to people on those platforms via direct message uh, and also, if you really are doing business to business, then doing something like cold emails and cold calling, they're also both viable, um, even in 2019. Just don't go start a call center in uh, some <laughs> foreign country. I, I would even, to take a page out of your book, as a uh, direct or cold approach, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially for business to business. And let's pretend, you know, you're doing commercial snow removal. Okay, instead of, you know, being one of hundreds of emails that get sent to whatever place, drive around some industrial areas, light industrial, walk in the door, say, hey, who does your snow removal? Or, you know, here's my card, whatever, like introduce yourself to someone there at the very least, right? Right. I mean, it's very scary. (laughs) But honestly, talking to people is free, man. Like, and that's, 
that's how you get some notoriety. That's how you get your name, your brand, your image out there. And that's how you go about it. And one thing in, in an addendum to what you had just said about going into places and talking to people, if you're applying for a job in 2019 and you're sending your resume in online, what are you doing? <laughs> or even, I mean, this is kind of a, an aside, but I would say make like a, like a kind of self branding video almost, right? Like if you, mm -hmm. if you really want the job. Yeah. I mean, if I was looking for a job today, I would go into each individual place and say, this is who I am. Here's my resume, hand it to the person that is going to be reviewing it if at all possible. I mean, you're probably not going to walk into like Goldman Sachs or something to do this, but if it's a small business of some sort, usually either the founder or the president is present at in the, the building, right? So exactly. Or I mean, there's somebody there that can make a decision right off the bat, right? Like don't be sending your resume online to these people. Go make a contact, put your face out there. That's huge. That's absolutely massive. A face to a name is totally valuable, will always be valuable. I don't care when the robot overlords take over. Here's my face. Here's my name. Do you like me? Do you not like me? Let's go is pretty much how I would do it. I'm sure you're the same way. Yeah, and I, th I think that comes back to an overarching theme that we're A, both working on ourselves and trying to to push and develop here is personal brand, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, when the, when the uh, automation uh, AI revolution comes, I, I still think personal brands will be very well insulated, even if your industry significantly changes, goes under, disappears, or what ha whatever else might happen to it. Right. Well, I mean, human interaction is not ever going away. Sorry to tell you if you're one of those people that doesn't like human interaction. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's how I would start a business in 2019 for less than $200. That's for sure. Um, we have some notes that we're going to talk a little bit about too, because I mean, this podcast is entitled just do it so can i uh sorry can i cut you off and backpedal one thing so go for it one thing we did not talk about here and i kind of want to hit this just to address it is you know at no point did we mention go out and get a huge branding package done by uh, a local marketer don't spend hours and hours stressing over a name and a logo uh maybe actually i think it's wix actually now offers a free logo maker or someone mm -hmm. does. I think Canva has one too, uh, where you can make a relatively simple text logo, which is good enough to start with. Right. Mm -hmm. um, don't order a whole bunch of business cards first. So, you know, it's the inverse of what you think might happen. Like you, you don't need a perfect, you know, so, uh, info at whoever services.ca email you don't need a glossy business card you don't need a perfect shiny logo and comprehensive branding package that's what comes at the end like that's what you are allowed to do if you start actually selling what whatever it is you're you're trying to do or accomplish right we can preach on this we did it yeah yeah really so <laughs> yeah we we did the uh we went that route with uh with veritas realty and that's it's kind of like you spend your money on branding, you spend your money on signage, business cards, blah, 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 blah. Where's the revenue coming from? There's a lesson there for sure. Yeah. And I mean, hey, I mean, the branding guy we hired was excellent and did some really great work, but that was our own uh, miscalculations and kind of misguidance, right? So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's, a really good thing you just brought up too is that in doing that you're almost procrastinating at doing what really matters in a business 
And what really matters is the things that move the needle towards your ultimate goal. Uh, so that being getting sales, getting your brand notoriety up, getting your message out there. Those are all what I would refer to as high return on investment activities. Liking and following people on social media is not really a high return on investment activity. We'll put it that way. Um, even doing like a website design or anything like that, that's not generally a high return on investment activity. These things are not bringing money in the door for you. They're not really uh, going to help you in the long run. So you can almost kind of get into a, I'll call it a masturbatory uh, feedback loop in where you're doing things that don't actually really matter and still kind of thinking that you're doing things that matter. It's, it's kind of like a, a very big paradox. So what really matters in a small business is going to be getting your sales, getting your brand out there, talking to people that can help you with that brand and and then talking to people that are willing to promote you as well. Um, that's definitely the things that you need to be focusing on. You don't need to be focusing on the insignificant, uh, what does my business card look like? What does my website look like? And I mean, one more thing on top of that is your product. Your product does not need to be perfect before you push it out into the world, right? Your product needs to be at around 65 to 75% complete. Push it out, get feedback. What would you say about that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, easy. Yeah, especially for product because, well, if you spend too much time trying to make it perfect, something's going to be wrong anyways, and then you dare I say your feelings might be hurt or you might be really frustrated or right. Like you, you need to be open to that feedback and to a point Josh said there about doing what really matters. There's actually, and this is a little more realtor focused, but uh, it applies to everyone. Uh, <clears throat> Darren Hardy, who is a, he's more of like a marketing and coaching success guy now, but he started out as a real estate agent. Right. And then his thing was, uh, so he actually went through and, you know, he was working however many hours a day and then was like, okay, what actually drives revenue for my business? And the the real and short answer is pretty much like Josh says, it's when you're talking to clients, right? So mm -hmm. uh, it's whether you're prospecting or in whatever method, uh, he at the time was doing door knocking, right? This was like the 80s or 90s, right? So, uh, and then... Uh, when you're actually meeting with clients, doing either a listing or a buyer presentation, and then actually negotiating or presenting an offer, right? And then when he went through and timed out his day of, and you know, he was working like 16 hours days, how much time did he actually spend talking to those clients? It was like 45 minutes or something ridiculous, right? So <laughs> it, it's something important to remember. And I would even say to realtors, it's very easy to work hundred hours a week. This is probably applies to any entrepreneurship. hundred hours a week, eighty hours a week, whatever, and not but not actually anything. accomplish anything, right? And and, yep. and you'll be working for free. And specific to realtors, you can do, you know, caravans. You can do all the crappy office seminars if you're in one of the larger offices. Mm -hmm. You can go network, whatever the hell <laughs> that might mean. Mm -hmm. uh, all all those activities, but you need to ask what's actually driving well, revenue, right? And, and, or sales or success and actually growing your business. And the answer is none of those, right? So, and I mean, it's a fine line because certain things like social media, I mean, is that an effective high ROI activity? Uh, generally no, but it will give you something eventually, right? Right. So it's, it's like a very, it's a, it's a very good start, but it's not something that you should be working on eight hours a day, you should be building the product. You should be with your team working on that product and everything else that's not getting you to where you want to go in sales, 
in product development, in building the company and your brand, you should be delegating out. Um, we'll probably talk about that more in the next podcast, but every single activity that you undergo on a daily basis, ask yourself this question. Should I be doing this? <laughs> and if the answer is no, yeah, delegate it out to somebody else because that's exactly... that. Seriously, it's the biggest question you need to be asking yourself at every single minute of every day is, should I be doing this? Is it really... Is it worth my time? If not, hire somebody. But we'll talk about that in a separate podcast growing your business to a thousand employees. I can't really talk about that because I haven't walked the walk yet. Give me three to five years. Then we'll talk about that. (laughs) But seriously though, that's the question that you need to be asking every single day. And um, there's so many resources out there for hiring freelancers and stuff like that, that can exceptionally boost your business without you um, doing those activities and really focusing on the more uh, important thing. Sales, marketing, getting your brand out there, building a product, and getting your business growing. Awesome. Uh, where are we now here? I guess that kind of wraps up the first half of this, if, if you will, right? Yes. Um, so... Do you kind of want to intro, like, introduce the next part here? I guess. Or... Yeah, I think let's let's talk a little bit about the second part of this podcast is going to be more of the just do it. Like we just gave you a shit ton of actionable advice. If you go and take that advice, you can build the company. Um, that's a, that's saying a lot, uh, and I guarantee you that you can build a company off that advice. That's very significant. The next part of this podcast is essentially about analysis paralysis, the power of momentum, and getting things going. Because in 2019, it's never been easier to start something, but it's also never been really harder to start something because of all the informational overload that we get in the current year. We get so much stuff blasting in our ears but a lot of it is noise. I would say 95% is probably noise. What would what would you say? Probably 95? Uh yeah, or I mean it's not in that it's useless, but it's just not relevant to you, right? Or there like there's cookie cutter. Yeah, there's I mean there's just a lot of competition for attention out there is what it is, right? So mm-hmm. there's more good information out there than there ever has been and there is more every day but there's more crap out there too right and just just more information more everything right so absolutely so the biggest differentiator in 2019 is actually moving forward that means pulling the trigger on your ideas and starting and once you you, uh go ahead sorry you you finish you finish your thought you're on i was just gonna say because that's seriously literally the barrier to entry today. Things are so good. There's so much information out there. There's so many platforms out there to get you noticed. The biggest barrier to entry is starting and kind of like taking that jump. Yeah. I mean, that that's really it. You kind of have to just do it. And uh, it, it, it is very easy to get caught up in that analysis paralysis which i i i believe there is actually some literal psychology to it in that there there's a more technical term for it but basically when you get overstimulated with options and you spend too much time uh overthinking or questioning decisions or or what to do and really the best thing is to just start doing it and keep in mind that when it comes to let's say your business idea or whatever there's probably someone out there who already has that idea. The differentiator between you and them is going to be who actually goes out and does something about it. Right. And momentum is like the biggest thing in life is if you start working out every day, you're going to start 
working out every day. <laughs> you're going to start going to the gym every day and you're going to start feeling actually like a piece of shit if you didn't go. So getting into a place of momentum is very powerful. When it comes to business, picking up a phone and calling somebody, just to have a conversation is momentum that leads you into making five or 10 or 20 more sales calls that day. It's starting building a website because we all loathe the first little bit of it. Then all of a sudden, three hours later, you have a landing page built and you didn't even realize you were doing work. It's this type of thing that's very hard to come by in such an attention deficit disorder society is is focus in what you're doing. And momentum plays into that because once you start doing something, you start focusing on it and then it starts manifesting itself and you continue down that road, whatever it is you're doing. Momentum can also, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say even to that point and kind of what you touched on there is, yeah, you, once you start something, you'll, you'll realize it's not that bad. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, if it's, you know, if I've had a challenging day or, uh, you know, an appointment didn't go well or whatever happened, it's like, all right, let's make like five more points of contact with potential clients or mm-hmm. my leads or my database or whatever. And then once you do five, you'll be like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. Maybe you'll do a few extra. Maybe you'll have a really great conversation in that time motivates you to keep going uh it builds on it right and Mm -hmm. you know it it's one thing that i think you know for me i always say to myself what when there's something maybe i don't want to do or whatever or i i know it's a bit of a challenge or outside the comfort zone just think like how great will i feel afterwards especially if this goes well right and then Mm -hmm. you know because sometimes with uh well with being a realtor specifically you're meeting with a lot of new people sometimes you don't want to do that it's can be painful um requires a little bit of, again, outside the comfort zone, the whole shebang. But then more often than not, and maybe I'm just good at what I do, but it often goes very well, especially if you're a good person and you care about helping people and all that. And, you know, after that appointment, you'll be like, wow, this is awesome. Like, I I feel great. I'm really glad I've done that. And then you should kind of enjoy that moment in a way or think about that feeling. And then the next time you have that challenge, like, it's a easier to keep going, but B you'll be able to say to yourself, you know, will I probably feel great after this and potentially have a great relationship with a new, a new client, a new customer, whatever it is, new business partner. Uh, yes. Right. And you, you getting started, it begets more of what you're already doing. Right. And the inverse of what the whole thing Josh just said is if you get started at, doing nothing about it, you will beget and manifest more and more of that too. That is a sound bite for the social medias. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Like if you start sitting around and doing nothing, you're just going to keep doing that. It's inertia, right? Once you start doing something and moving forward, you start seeing how easy it is to move forward. And by the end of the day, you've done eight hours of work and it didn't really feel like it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have something here about telling others about your goals. Talk about oh, uh, y- let me, uh, let me backpedal that first. Sure. Right. Before we jump into that one, but uh, you got a real angelic look on your face if you've made it this far <laughs> watching the video. You should take a look at Josh's feed right now. The uh, light is coming in the window and uh, lighting up half my face. I look like Darth Sidious. You got like half black and half just bright blowing out my face. It's amazing. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Keep going. <laughs> it's uh, Josh is just such a bright beacon of light for Uh, people looking to better their lives, but uh, damn straight. Yeah. You know, there's kind of going with this power momentum thing is something we said in our last episode here was uh, jumping before you look right. So don't sweat the small stuff. You should just get started. You can figure out a way and it 
will probably be fine. It probably won't be as bad as you think. And that, I mean, hey, that even ties into what I just said. It'll probably actually go well. And when it does go well, you'll be like, wow, this is awesome. And then if it goes bad, you'll be like, well, I'm still here. I'm still alive, right? And uh, to borrow a Josh Altman uh, quote is, ready, fire, aim. So get started, get going, and then it's you can correct course no problem afterwards, right? In starting a company, you're probably going to shift what the actual product is a couple times before you get it right. Um, and it's... Not... Go ahead. Oh, it's it's easier to do that too if uh, if and when you are a new company because like if it's just you, if it's just your brand new service, you know, there it's really nothing for you to make tweaks to it, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a maxim in the world of startups. I, I can't remember if this is a Peter Thiel thing or who it is, but it's move fast and break stuff. So there's this startup culture in almost every business these days because a business is numerous products and each product and development is almost a company unto itself. When you're building a product, you need to move quickly and break whatever it is a hundred times before you get it right. You need to be pushing out as quickly as possible, getting feedback from the public, and then adjusting course like you had said about, and that's where the aim part comes in. But I mean, you're going into a new product, you don't know exactly what your end customer is going to want perfectly. But once you start pushing stuff out there and having conversations about it, then you start building this like profile around who you're marketing to, what it is that you want to put out there. And then if people are wanting different things, you find out what they're wanting and start building products for that too. Um, you have it in the Lean Startup, which is a very good book. I'll let you talk about that for a sec. Yeah. So, I mean, it's almost disagrees in a way to what Josh says, but also agrees like it, it's a fine line of knowing when to pivot. Pivot is one of the words in that book. And I would say, uh, lean startup and pivot were kind of buzzwords, especially in the more kind of tech industry, kind of like Mm -hmm. 2013, 2014 ish, 2015 ish. Um, but anyways, uh, knowing when to adjust course and making corrections, uh, versus, actually pivoting, which is more defined as like pretty much totally redefining uh, your product or service or company mm-hmm. or whatever. And then something he talked about in the Lean Startup, again, really good book, would recommend. Uh, and it's a really unsuspecting company, just an aside. It was called IMVU, if you guys <laughs> maybe remember that. We I were even a bit that. too young for that, but it was kind of this weird online avatar website. It was, I think it was similar to like a Habo Hotel or Sims or something like that. Yeah, um, I think it was like it was like MSN Messenger, Messenger, excuse me, with avatars that you could actually see people, and it was mm-hmm. it was kind of the generation a little bit older than us, I think, who mm-hmm. that was targeted to because it was an early to mid two thousand thing. But anyways, <laughs> uh, in the lean startup, you know, uh, the guy who started that company became quite successful. Uh, ended up kind of a investing in consulting in other companies. And he found that people got too much of a hard on really for pivoting too at at the time where so like, every time he'd meet with a company six months later, they would have done another pivot and totally changed their product and what they did. He's like, Okay, well, like you haven't even remotely committed to this to try to find where it fits in the market and actually make a success of it either. Right, right, right. Yeah. And (laughs) it's, it's definitely a thing is that you're like, well, nobody's bought my product in the two months I've been working on it. So it mustn't be any good. So let's move on to something else. But you actually have to figure out if that thing works and have conversations around it instead of just moving to the next thing and having no like true North in your, uh, your company. Definitely. And uh, you know, for me, uh, actually I'll probably talk about this off the air, but you know, something I've kind of experienced firsthand is a over pivoting uh, sort of thing. Right. And I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's frustrating too, for 
kind of everyone involved, right? Where where it, it you can't get any real traction when constant changes are going on either, right? So it's one right. thing to make an adjustment when you identify an issue, but then to totally throw in the towel at some point of friction and work around that it, it's just silly, right? And mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Um, you you have something here about a, a two pizzas thing here. I was re- I was reading this. I'm not really sure what that okay. means. Do you want to? You haven't read the Everything Store? No. Is that his autobiography or? I, I don't think it's an autobiography, but it is like written about him. Is the autobiography about somebody else or written by you? I can't remember. Uh, autobiography is self written, and then biography oh, okay. is written by someone else. It's a biography kind gotcha. of like it's it's definitely more about Amazon, but also touches on. Oh, Bezos. okay, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a Bezos maxim is that you shouldn't be able to feed a team with more than two pizzas. So if if a team is too is bigger than that, then the two pizza rule, the team is too big. So <laughs> okay, gotcha. You know, I've right. actually okay, I have actually heard that before. Yeah, but I mean, even in Amazon, which is a well going on a trillion dollar company, it keeps bouncing off of it. You still have a startup culture in a lot of the company, in that there's teams for building different products, um, solutions for people, uh, Amazon Web Services, blah 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 blah. There's just so many different facets that are almost still a startup car start startup culture can't talk right now <laughs> in a company of 100,000 employees or whatever it is i'm sure i'm misquoting that but it's a massive company obviously but there's still a startup culture in there where people are still moving fast breaking things testing it getting it out there and then adjusting once they have the product into the public eye i guess no, that's good. That's an interesting kind of company company culture thing, which is, I mean, a little too big for maybe this conversation, but there there is something to it of <laughs> the two pizza rule, right? And yeah, that, that even uh, carries over into a more literal psycho psychological concept of uh, it's called social loafing. But when you have too, it's too many cooks in the ki- kitchen. Put to a actual real psychology concept of. When you have too many people doing the same thing, people inevitably, well, loafed, do less, uh, kind of coast or, or uh, allow the group to take on more work. And in doing so, everyone becomes uh, less effective. Very true. I mean, it's a, it's a very effective company. If you haven't heard of Amazon, you um, probably don't live on the planet Earth. So Yeah. And actually, you know what? This is a good thing to tie back to uh, the first part of this uh, episode where uh, you've pro if you're someone into the sort of inspired work culture or whatever the hell you want to call this thing, you've seen the picture of Jeff Bezos sitting in his office in 1999. <laughs> and it's like, it's literally like a bed sheet with like spray paint that says Amazon on it. And his desk is like a, like a standard size sheet of plywood or whatever. Yeah. He's got an IBM computer, huge yeah. monitor. Some of you kids will probably won't even remember that, but yeah, like, I mean, it's a tenet of just getting started. Yeah. Apple Get was started. started doesn't have to be glorious. Apple They're all started in a garage. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody started somewhere. So um, once you start thinking that uh, that things are too big for you, you get intimidated. But once you realize that end of the day, every company is just a bunch of humans working together, you... Uh, you start to see that there's potential and possibilities that you uh, you may not have seen before. Well, everyone everyone's flesh and bones. Uh, every you know every journey starts with a, a single step, and uh, to that you can start today by just doing it. Right? <laughs> just Phil, do it, Phil Knight. Uh, please don't sue the podcast, but. Uh... <laughs> Well, I mean, you know what? I'll plug his book, Shoe Dog, and yeah, will not phenomenal book. And you know, I, I for one, too, find a lot of inspiration in it, his story, and I think you probably would too, because yep. how he started that in what seventies uh, was it? 
right? Like, yeah, I want to say, yeah. Going overseas and sourcing products, like, well, you did that recently from the comfort of your laptop, <laughs> right? So <laughs> Phil Knight had to actually go there. Like, it's just, to me, I think it's such a crazy story of how global logistics were coordinated back then. And, you know, to me, I read a story like that and it's a well-written book, great story, but you also look mm -hmm. at it and you're like, all right, what's my excuse, right? That, that, that book is absolutely a must read for anybody that's getting into any sort of uh, business. But in addition to that, I think what we'll end this section with, and then we're actually going to do a new section today, kind of like current events in the business world. Uh, we're going to see how that one goes. But before <laughs> I we end that, today, we talked about you can start a business with under $200 in 2019. 30 years ago, you would have needed $50,000 minimum. You would have needed a bank loan. You would have needed some physical retail space. You would have potentially had to pull a fill night, go overseas to source product. You may have had to, well, I mean, there's still people that do the door knocking thing, but you would most definitely have had to do that. There's just so many different things that you would have had to do 30 years ago that Today, it's pushing a couple buttons on the computer. So there's really no excuses at the end of the day. You can do pretty much anything you want. There's people out there on social media that you can contact that can help you with things. I mean, the way that I found my team for Revere was going to my brother's graduation party. Well, not his party, but it's watching them walk across the stage, looking for the computer science students on the list. And then Facebooking them two weeks later, like you have you have you have <laughs> unlimited access today to people that are much smarter than you, that are much better than you at doing certain things, and there's just really no excuse anymore. So, most actionable podcast 2019. I'm calling it right now, it. even though it's only May. So, book it. <laughs> Do you want to add anything before we get into the news or? No, that's good. I like that. Okay. So I guess I'll let you talk about the news because you, you posted this one. So let's, uh, you start it off. Sure. So, uh, well, A, let me intro this of uh, kind of a current event sort of thing. So uh, something, any kind of thing that we see go on, going on in a week that uh, would be important to you. Uh, and now this isn't, not always going to be totally business focused. We could argue it or find stuff for like mindset, lifestyle, design, et cetera. But yeah. anyways, today it's about uh, Instagram. Uh, so as Canadians, they rolled out a feature in Canada uh, where select accounts, you cannot see how many likes uh, you, or sorry, you cannot see how many likes people have on a photo. Now, what's interesting is, and I don't know about you, Josh, but for my personal account, it actually has not had the change yet as of today, but okay. uh our combined one for this podcast and one and another one I have uh, both got switched over. So uh, if you're not aware or you haven't noticed, instead of saying, you know, Josh Blaze and 72 others like this photo, it just says Josh Blaze and others, right? So, right. Uh, and the goal according to Instagram is to test and see, uh, well, A, how it goes, but B, will, will this have a effect on content? And their goal is to produce uh ultimately better content. That's the, the theory behind it, where people will put out better quality photos, focus on the quality of photo versus how many likes it, it might get. Yes. And we had actually had a conversation about this two days ago or whenever it actually came out. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Like, I, I was like, what do you think is going to happen? Because is this going to kill the platform? Obviously, I don't think it's going to uh, kill Instagram because Instagram is just so widely used. But is this going to have an effect on usership, on time, on application? Uh, you seem to think no, right? Uh, in the grand scheme, and when we look at it like a year from now, assuming they go forward it full time, I would say overall no. Uh, it might change in some ways, but uh, I mean, you never know because, you know, the one thing that they did do right, I think, is that each individual person, you can still see how many likes you got on a photo. So you can still get your uh, dopamine rush. That's the, is that what it is? Dopamine? Yeah. Um, 
and we had also talked about like influencer market and how companies are i mean testing influencers for engagement rates and stuff and i mean um my take on it was that i guess you might see a little bit more of flubbing of numbers uh because you can't go into a photo now as a third party look at their engagement rate as a metric of their followers Mm -hmm. and you might see some i mean flubbing of numbers some doctoring of actual engagements but yeah i i don't know i think it's gonna be interesting to see for sure yeah i mean i guess just as an advertiser you will have to do a little more due diligence if you're gonna go towards influencer marketing and Mm -hmm. as this being the year that it's really getting traction and taking off it's interesting that instagram would make that move i think um I think it also may have to play into like Facebook's overall image because obviously Facebook mm, and Instagram, there right. might be a little bit Good of point. that going on there too. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. They're trying to, um, well, at least this is what they're saying is they're trying to get a little bit more time off app for people. Cause I mean, well, they, they have created social networks that are almost essentially addictive in nature. So, mm-hmm. and by doing this, by doing this, I do think that there's, they're playing in the right direction in that there's a little bit less um how do i put it there's a little bit less like vying for likes trying Mm -hmm. to get there there's almost a little less inhibition or barrier to entry in a way right Uh, because you might have a good picture and you know you might be well depending on how many followers you have or whatever, you might be like, oh, well, people won't like this or this hasn't done well, pictures like this in the past, blah, blah, blah. So you might hold back from that, even if it is great content or a great picture or a great video. But then I would say it actually ties nicely to the start of this podcast of just do it, of like, well, why might you not start something like that? Well, probably the fear of ridicule. We are social creatures as humans. If Mm -hmm. a little bit of that is taken away, you might start doing it, put in something out there that's different and you might get really great response and it might work really well. And you'll be like, Oh shit. Like this, again, this wasn't so bad. I'm still alive. Right. And uh, <laughs> it gives you a good way to test the market. And you know what, if you get two likes on a photo, it will still say Josh blaze and others. others yeah. <laughs> so no one's the wiser. Right. And then you learn that way, uh, kind of privately. So, you know, on a very micro level, like, how can you make use of this person interested in starting a business? Well, uh, in theory, there's a little less uh, fear of ridicule or, or shame. So you have even one less excuse, I would say. I think it's just an excuse for me to post more pictures of my ugly mug on Instagram. <laughs> but, uh, that's just no me. repercussions whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, I could go on my other two accounts and like it and at least it'll look like Lots of people like this, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a very interesting topic of uh, conversation because I think that they're going in the right direction with it, in that they're trying to kind of get a little bit more. Um, I would call so- it a very purist uh, approach, where it's strictly focused on the content, not right. engagement, not likes, not influencers, not marketers, just making yeah. really great videos and pictures for their social network right they might get less people doing like tide pod challenges and uh stupid (laughs) maybe maybe that's one way to kind of counteract that right so well to be honest i think it may be part of why they're doing it in that they're but just idiotic going on that uh you know, like people are hurting themselves. Like you even have people dying, taking selfies for Instagram. This is a real thing. There's like a couple hundred people a year that actually die taking selfies for social media. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I guess that without getting into the underlying issues of, uh, you know, psycho psychological, problems that's the wrong word to use that uh social media kind of brings about anyways yeah most definitely but we Hmm. hope you like this uh this new section because i think yeah uh, i i think this is good and a good opportunity to find uh some great 
pieces of advice or news that are, again, actionable current advice for you if you're making these changes in your life, right? Yeah. I mean, if you watch this on May the 6th, 2019, this literally came out two days ago. So we're uh, we're talking about the current events. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I think that's about it for today. Hey, Cool. Let's wrap it up. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I'm Thomas. He is Josh. And uh, we'll see you uh, next week on the Long and Hard Podcast. Yes. Keep it long and hard. Go follow us on Facebook, Instagram. We're almost at 100 followers on Instagram. Uh, listen to us subscribe, on iTunes. Subscribe, like on YouTube. Uh, subscribe Sound anywhere cloud. you might get your podcasts. Uh, we yep. are iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, leave a review if you enjoy what we do. and uh, we'll, Five we'll, stars, we'll, please. Yeah. <laughs> Five stars, please. <laughs> and yeah, we'll, we'll uh, keep doing what we're doing. Thank you guys very much for listening. And we will see you next week on the Long and Hard podcast. Always hard. We out. (laughs) 